My guest in the Late Show Library is uh, Craig Conn. Got a brand new book. It's called Roots, but it's how Melbourne became the live music capital of the world. G'day, Craig. Welcome to the program, mate. Great. Hi. Hi. How are you, mate? I'm good. Are you well? Yeah, I'm really well. Now this uh, this is a it's a great little book. I mean, uh, this city has a uh, has a boasting ability about being the sporting capital of the world, but uh, underneath all that is the fact that we are the, the live music capital of the world, and obviously something you've been involved in. Is that what was the motivation behind actually sitting down and do, and doing this book? Well, probably what you've actually said in, in that I think we've been seen, as you say, as the Holding capital, I reckon that music's at the heart of it almost, you know. And I wanted to see why. Easy as that. <laughs> and and it, it is. It's not only uh, rich, but it's all. It also goes back a long way. I mean, you go back uh, to the to the kind of the twenties. Uh, to I do. To, yeah. to, it all sort of started with jazz, didn't it? Yep. Graham Bell and his brother Roger in the thirties uh, were crazy on hot. Jazz or trad jazz. Yeah, uh, one of the things that surprised me, and I, I must admit, I didn't know this, uh, and uh, that yep. shouldn't be a great shock that there's stuff I don't know. But I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't aware of the um, the the really quite very healthy um, all female jazz bands that were around in the yeah. kind of late twenties, thirties. Absolutely, all women everywhere. It was in, it was incredible. I mean, playing eight eight shows a week, really healthy healthy scene you know it was it was amazing yeah it is because i mean I, I guess this is a perception of i'm a baby boomer so the the perception yeah. that kind of had of, of women in the late 20s early 30s and and through the war years was very much the homemakers in the kitchen and doing all that stuff and ste- stepped up in the war years but they were actually really avant-garde uh, leaders in in the in the music part of it absolutely the 20s era was a bit different i think women had i mean actually had to cope after the first war. Yeah. Had probably husbands who had died or were injured, uh, physically and and in every other way. Yeah. And would probably have to cope and they actually earned reasonable income and you know, all of that. Yeah, no, it's quite. It is quite amazing. Um, the 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 the, um, the the sort of melting pot that is uh, that that early kind of twenties into the thirties uh, yep. sort of scene that uh, it had everything, didn't it? I mean, it had everything that a modern soap opera has, and then some. It had crime, it had sex, it had uh, it, it had drugs, drugs, yes, <laughs> and 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 it had music in there somewhere, and it had some really colourful uh, identities as well. So, uh, in terms of a kind of a romantic story as such, it, it ticks all those boxes too. Yeah, sure. And it actually had communism, which is sort of interesting because Graham and Roger were actually picked up through the Eureka League, which was the junior version of the Communist Party. They actually had their own club and they played the club and eventually toured overseas into, into, into Prague at a, at a communist youth convention and toured um, Eastern Europe up through Bohemia and became and and eventually Paris and London and were absolutely sensational. So how about that? 
Right. Yeah, no, that, that 40s and 50s part where the Communist Party come into it, it's almost like the uh, the way to get to the youth was to get through them, get to them through this That's music right, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that exactly kind of, the kind of stuff we saw in movies and that our parents would tell us, oh, don't listen to that music, you know, that's uh, that's the yeah, devil's right. music. This, that's it was, right. It was even worse, it was the Communist Party's music. <laughs> that's right. Hey, uh, before we leave this kind of early part of the thing, there's a, there's a, yeah, lovely, sure. there's a lovely story in here that we, which relates really well in many ways to this radio station that, that, that this has been broadcast on, being a, being a racing station. Back in 1923, yep. the Mooney Valley, I think it's called the Yeroki Handicap. Um, and a, <laughs> so, so it's a fairly colourful little incident, that one, isn't it? Well, it was the... It was when the uh, the cocaine reared its ugly head. You see, so what happened? It was um, it was sort of injected with the kind of hurry up juice. Yeah, and it and it won its race by half the straight. <laughs> <laughs> and, not surprising. Uh, not surprising in the in the. Swab showed that uh oh he he'd uh, he'd been you know helped in the in the run. Yes, uh, a horse called Valdoid, I think it was probably could, should have been called Steroid, but it was Valdoid, <laughs> and uh, exactly it was right. coked to the eyeballs, which was it was, of, and and the horse yeah. was indicative of a lot of things that were going on in the suburbs at that stage. They sure were, because <laughs> coke was sort of the uh, I don't know it was it was cheap and it was. Plentiful, and it was actually legal. Talking to Craig Horn, who's the uh, the author of Roots, uh, how Melbourne became the live music capital of the world here in the Late Show Library. Um, let, let's go to the the fifties and sixties, and kind of rock music arrived, and that and that. I mean, I guess that changed that changed it for everyone, didn't it? Everyone, yes. In Melbourne, here we opened up jazz dance almost in every town hall, in every community hall. In every RSL yacht club, you know, whatever, and and there was hundreds and hundreds of them all all over the city, and it was a vibrant, strong place. And and the names yeah. that were kind of bubbling around then, well, I guess were the names like Johnny O'Keefe and Digby That's Richards it. and all those guys. That's Johnny Chester yep. and uh, and Rofe, of course. Yeah, who was, yeah. Who was, he was. He ruled the waves. Um, Lynn ran Dale Colin Cook, you know, the the Lincolns, the um, Strangers, the heaps of acts. I mean, so it was an incredibly rich time. And, and, and probably entering into the 60s, the, the one venue that ruled them all was the Preston Town Hall. I mean, that was... You you had every act in in worth seeing actually played it you know for yeah. row all of the major artists would play at this circuit often it was Preston then was off to Box Hill and back in at the Rabin and you'd play five songs on at each with the actual house band in play. And you'd play three, four, five shows a night, you know, every Saturday a night. Oh. It, it was wild. Yeah, no, it obviously was. But in, in while well, that was happening, when they started to get a little kind of like uh, sanitised and uh, and not, not cutting edge, you, you kind of dropped off them, didn't you? Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And discovered well, folk music. And, yeah, folkies up at, uh, up at 
cleaners and and uh, it's the outpost team and the green. Uh, uh, man, it was great. You know, like you actually saw, you know, a Margaret Road night, Shirley Jacobs, uh, people like, oh, well, Judith Tarham. Yeah. And Judy Jacks. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean, you, you you go through that in in the book Roots, which is which is the book we're talking about here. Uh, then yeah. kind of, we kind of get to the eighties, and, and there was another big explosion in the eighties. Then because uh, all of a sudden we had uh, we had venues everywhere. Every pub in Melbourne was it was a it, was a venue, wasn't it? In the eighties, it grew. I mean, you and it was the big suburban beer barns that yeah. actually had had the acts, and you'd and you'd have uh, I I don't know. A, Thousand, two thousand every night packed in, and you'd be hearing I don't know, Joe's Open the Falcons or Cold Chisel, or you'd be hearing you know Midnight Oil, whoever. I'd be watching, you know, the sweat pouring off people, yeah. and it, it was amazing. And so everywhere we had, I mean, I think I interviewed Sam. Who played with Bon Scott and uh, likely seeing Mason Hole Farnham? Yep. Anyway, he 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 played in uh, Canada for several years, and he and he came home to Melbourne, and he said he arrived here on a I think it was a Tuesday, and he looked in the paper and he saw. 75 venues advertising shows. And he said, what am I doing in Canada? You know, <laughs> so he came home. Yeah, he went over there with the Flying Circus, didn't he? Yes, yes. There you that's go. right. He did. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, those, and those pubs, you know, whether it was the Manhattan or the Cross Keys or the Croxton Park yeah, or right. the Village the Green or all those yeah. pubs in the suburbs, you're yeah. right, there was seven, <laughs> eight, nine hundred thousand people packing in there watching the Orphans or some band <laughs> exactly. in the 80s. It, it, it was exactly. Unbelievable. Then then I yeah. guess the, the next uh, kind of um, metamorphosis of, of, of it was when the poker machines hit and a lot of those venues stopped being live music venues. Yeah, the, the venues here, it was probably the drink driving laws that really hit it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, I think the pokies actually followed, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, that's right. Because this healthy alternate scene opened up in the inner city and it was, and it was vibrant, interesting, and it was huge. I mean, you know, people are like, I don't know, hunters and collectors and men at work, uh, Monday Rock perhaps, yeah. and the Falcons all all came out of the small inner city hotels. Yeah, the Cricketers Arms uh, and pubs like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cricketers Arms. I used to play with, um, uh, hang on, I'm just trying to think of the pub, at the Sarah Sands up in Brunswick. Yeah. And we used to play on a, I think it was on a Thursday, evening in the in the 80s and it was the band I was in was called Attila and the Panel Beaters yeah. and we were supported in small writing with man at work. Little band what that used that? to support you at the Sarah Sands was, uh, had a number one hit all around the world. Yeah, oh, exactly. Me. And it, but it came out of the cricketer's arm yeah. you know, the Sarah Sands 
the book is uh, the book is Roots: How Melbourne Became the the Live Music Capital of the World. Craig, well, what sort of uh, shape would you would you say that the Melbourne music scene's in at the moment? It's it's okay. I mean, it's it probably the venues aren't as expensive, you know, and probably smaller. In well, it's the wonderful adaptability of musicians to be able to go from, you know, a 50-piece orchestra into a exactly. uh, an acoustic guitar in the corner of a small cafe and uh, and still right. be still and it's still magic. Yep, 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 absolutely. That's, and it's what you have to be able to do, you know. If you want to keep working and playing and performing and creating you just have to find a way, yep. you know. And one day we'll both get a real job. <laughs> Mate, I think so. In, uh, in my case, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> in my case, no, me neither. Hey, uh, Craig, it's been terrific to catch up, okay. mate. So it's a really good book. It's a, it's a lovely testament oh, to uh, to Melbourne as the music capital of the world. And we should boast about it every bit as much as we do about being the sporting capital of the world. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Good on you, Craig. Thanks for your time. Mate. Okay, mate.